You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. This morning, um, I'm just going to share briefly with you for a few minutes, for probably about 25 minutes or so, um, something that uh, has just been on my heart um, concerning uh, expectation. And so, and so, I want you to turn to your Bibles in 2 Samuel 6, chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. Um, uh, you can open it up on your phone. You can look on the screen or just listen. It's not a big deal either way. But I'm going to be telling you guys a story that um, happened with King David. This is a great story when David brought the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem or back to Jerusalem. Um, and this is really about expectation. God wants us to have expectation, and, and the Holy Spirit wants us to fuel expectation. And expectation is not being hyped up. Expectation is not um, something that we muster up. We don't sit in the corner. If you guys ever seen the, the movie Elf with Will Ferrell, you know, he's just, you know what I'm saying? Like he's just jazzed up, you know, like he runs into the coffee shop. Best coffee ever. Congratulations. You're the best. Oh, you guys got to watch it. Oh, my goodness. It's funny. That's not expectation. Expectation is not Christmas time. What's in my present? Listen, we, we get, we, our hearts get filled with expectation, but, but true expectation from the Lord is something greater. It's, it's rooted in something bigger. It's rooted in the promises of God. But what it does is it begins to establish some things in our heart uh, that, that set us in a different place. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, is I want to, want to just, if I can, if, if, if the Lord can, just bring us to a, a, a place of greater hope through expectation, believing God. Some of you may have been uh, resting on things that God spoke to you years ago. You've been waiting to see when it's going to happen. Some of you, like I said earlier, have been just longing for something more and you feel just a little dry, and expectation covers that. It takes care of that. God sets expectation in our heart concerning the things that He is calling us to. I'd even go as far to say this, that, that sometimes we can have all the ingredients but be missing something. We can go to church. We can read our Bible. We can listen to the right music. We can be in the right circles. You can even go to a small group and you can have all this, but you just don't feel like anything's clicking, that they're just kind of missing something. And the missing ingredient is expectation. See, what's happened in that situation is that we actually have not put a dependency and put our lives in a place of dependency upon the goodness of God, expecting God to be as big and as awesome and as magnificent and as loving as He says He is toward us. What we've done in essence is this, is that we've taken and we've redefined who God is based on our experiences instead of putting an expectation on the promises that God has given us. Now, I don't quite know if that's making sense to you, but I want to show you today how big of a deal expectation is. And so what I want to do is I want to tell you this story in 2 Samuel chapter 6 about when David took the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, to Jerusalem. And so I'm just going to read a few passages and I'm going to give you the background on it. It's a great story. Starting in verse 12. If you don't have a Bible, just uh, listen. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. 
When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. That's a lot of dead animals. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. Here's what's happening. You need just a very loose background on the Ark of the Covenant. So if you don't understand, if you've never heard before, before Jesus Christ enters the scene, God set up a place where his presence could be with people. That's a major thing you need to understand because it's a huge part of God's heart. And it's simply this. God wants to be where people are. God wants to be with people. Okay? So because man sinned and there's a separation, God still said, I want to be with people, but I'm holy. So he set a place for himself. He commanded Moses to build what we call the Ark of the Covenant. It was this box. That's a very crude understanding. It's a beautiful box. And on top of it, there were two cherubims, these angels, and they looked like this. Right? And they, had, they touched their wings. And the Bible says that God's presence sat between those two angels, those two cherubims on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And it made up this whole thing that we call the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where God's presence was. Now, of course, Moses built a tabernacle. And inside the tabernacle was something called the Holy of Holies. This is where the Ark of the Covenant was. This is where God sat. This is where they went and made sacrifice. This is where they got and received what God was saying for them. They wandered around the wilderness. And the tabernacle was something that could be moved. It was portable. It moved around from place to place. Fast forward a little bit. The end of the era of judges happens in Israel. At one point in the history of Israel, they were all being ruled by judges. The last judge was Samuel. And in Samuel's reign, what happens is that this cruel, cruel people that tormented the Israelites for a long time called the Philistines took and captured and took the Ark of the Covenant into their own property. They defeated Israel and took the Ark of the Covenant. And for seven months, the Bible says that the Ark of the Covenant rested with the Philistines, the enemies of Israel. And what God did was just simply amazing. He destroyed their main God because they tried to put the Ark with their other idols and God wasn't going to have it. He took them down. He took down their, their, their gods. He took down their false idols. And then God struck them with the plague of rats and hemorrhoids. (laughs) no joke, no joke. You can read it in the Bible. The Philistines got so sick of it, they they inquired of their their people who they thought heard God, and and they said, give the ark back to the Israelites. You know what they did is they said, listen, we're going to give this back, but we're also going to take, and we're going to give you a symbol. We're going we're gonna to make a gold rat and a gold hemorrhoid to, put, to give you back to say, this is what your God did to us. It's kind of an amazing story, guys. All right, just stay with it. Just imagine getting the ark back, and all of a sudden there's a golden hemorrhoid sitting on top of it. Like, thanks a lot. Keep the golden hemorrhoid in the rat, all right? And so the Scripture says this. The, uh, the, the first time that the ark was ever put onto a cart, and you need to, you need to hear this because this is going to play into expectation, all right? I'm not giving you a history lesson to show you how smart I am. I'm not. Listen, the Philistines put... The cart, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant on a cart, and they hitched it to two milk cows. And they sent the milk cows down the path, and the milk cows, God caused them to steer into Israel. And they steered back into the land of Israel by the Spirit of God. And the Ark of the Covenant returned back to a town in Israel. 
And it bounced around from place to place for over 20 years. It stayed outside of Jerusalem. You fast forward, and Samuel goes and anoints David as king. Saul's still king. They fight. Saul eventually dies. And David is crowned the king over all Israel. And David does two things very fast that leads to a third thing. The first thing he does is he goes to Jerusalem and he conquers Jerusalem back. Why? Because Jerusalem is a city of God. Jerusalem is a city of God. And then he goes and he destroys the Philistines. He fights and pushes the Philistines out of Israel. And the very next thing he does is he says, we're going to go get the Ark of the Covenant to return to Jerusalem, to bring into Jerusalem. And God begins to birth in his heart to establish a place of permanence for the presence of God to rest, for the Ark of the Covenant to rest. Can I tell you why expectation is so important? Because David saw something in his spirit that is God's intent for the earth from then till now. David understood the importance of bringing the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, to Jerusalem is because God wanted to be at the head of people and his presence and his glory to fill the land throughout all of Israel. And the place that it needed to start was at the very heart of Israel. When somebody stands up in expectation of what God is saying, what they are doing is not just for themselves, but they're beginning to let the glory of God come out through them so it begins to impact a people. David knew that God wanted to be close to people, and in order for God to be close to people and to influence people and to impact people with his glory, not just a story. Because you've got to think, because it wasn't a few years, it was a lot of years that the presence of God had been missing out of the hearts of the people of Israel. And David said, listen, if I'm going to be somebody that's going to lead the way that God wants me to, God has got to be in the center. He's got to come, and he's got to be in the center. If God is going to lead these people, he's got to be in the center. The, the, The presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, has to get back to Jerusalem. So David steps out on this quest to bring it back. And the scripture tells us about this story in 2 Samuel chapter 6. David actually makes two attempts to bring the ark back. The first one, I'm sure you may have heard this story before. It's in the house of Abinadab. The ark's hanging out there. And so David commissions the Levites to go and to pick it up. And a guy named Uzzah and his brother set the ark on a cart you got to understand something, that when God gave the command for Moses to build the ark, he said, never, ever, ever was it supposed to be put on on a cart to carry. It was supposed to be carried on the shoulders of the Levites who were praised. So Uzzah puts puts the ark of the covenant on the cart, and they hit a little pothole, and he reaches out to grab it to keep the ark from falling on the ground. And the scripture tells us that God killed Uzzah right there. Not the devil. This is going to mess with some of you guys right now. God killed him. And David gets mad at God. And he says, you know what? I'm not touching the ark. And so he sends it to the house of Obed-Edom. And he lets the ark sit there for three months. And he inquires of the Lord in desperation and frustration about what happened. I'm trying to bring your presence back to the people. Why would you smite somebody who is trying to accomplish the same thing? 
And the Bible says this, while the Ark of the Covenant was at Obed-Edom for three months, they flourished. That they were abounding in all good things. And David's heart got healed up and he understood, God, there is a way for you, your presence to be ushered in. And so the scripture we just read happens is that David musters up the Levites, the high priests, he puts them around it. And the scripture says that they went before the Ark of the Covenant with singing, with praising, with the blowing of trumpets. And every six steps, this was not a short journey from Obed-Edom to Jerusalem. Every six steps they stopped and they sacrificed a bull before the Lord. You guys are saying, what does this have to do with expectation? The first thing about expectation is this. Expectation is not about our feelings. It's not about our ability. It's not about our hype. It's about what God has promised. Expectation is not about our feelings. It's not about our ability. It's not about our hype. It's about what God promised. David realized that when he saw man trying to put God's presence on an ark as if God needed man to help him get to where he needed to go. See, there's a very powerful passage in Hebrews 11.6, and this is what God wants us to know concerning expectation, is He wants a people, if I could say it like this, who become desperate to stand on the promises that He has given them. Let, let, me, let me just, because let me, I, I, I really want you to hear this, alright? I understand that there's a lot of words that come out of my mouth, and sometimes they fly right over your head, right? They just, you just, whoo, where are we going to go eat lunch at? But I want you to hear this. Because David understood something here. David could not manufacture, and what he learned from Uzzah was this, is that he could not manufacture bringing God's glory back to the people, back to Jerusalem. He had to understand it was God's heart and God's desire to fulfill what he had promised because God wants to be close to people. And here's the thing that you need to understand is that no matter what you see going on in your life or in this world, you cannot manufacture it. You cannot hype it up. You can't fake pray it up. You have got to look to the Holy Spirit, look to God, and trust him based on what he has spoken to you. Why? Because he is faithful to perform the things he said he would do. In Hebrews 11.6, it says this, very simply, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. That's what expectation is, is believing God. And God's looking for a people that believe Him. What's God promised you? What's God saying concerning what's happening in your life? What are you anchored to concerning the Word of God? What are you trusting? What are you standing on? Because those things are the things that God is going to perform, and that's where you need to set your expectation at. Number two, expectation requires a spiritual change of mind. Expectation requires us to change our minds, spiritually speaking. See, David had an option here, is that David had an option to trust God based off of his past experiences. David even had an option to, to look at God and trust Him whether or not, based off of whether or not what happened to Uzzah. But he allowed God to shape something in him. And this is what I want to just give to you this morning is this concerning expectation. No matter what God has brought you through in the past, no matter what testimony you have of what God has done in you, don't stop there. Don't stop there. Don't stop there. 
David could have stopped. He could have left the ark in Obed-Edom. He could have said, listen, for the last 20 plus years, it's been good being outside of Jerusalem. If God doesn't want this, then we'll just leave it out there. It's fine. But he had to renew his mind to something bigger, to what God had promised. He had to change his spiritual mind. And he had to begin to understand that it was God's heart to be with the people and to flow from this place where the glory of God could touch people. What's God done in your life? Do you, have, do you have a history of what God's done? Have you seen his faithfulness? Have you seen him come through in those desperate times where you prayed and he met you? Listen, keep those things as a reminder of his goodness, his continual goodness for you, his faithfulness to you. But step out on more. Why? Because God has more for you. Don't stop where you are. If all you are looking at is your yesterdays, it's time to move forward. If your testimonies and all you're talking about God is what he did years ago, it's time to keep going. Renew your spiritual mind and begin to believe that God has something in store for you that's great. Number three, this is the hardest thing probably right here. Expectation requires an outward expression. This, this story is probably, this part of the story is probably my favorite part. It's the craziest part. Because we can begin to change our spiritual mind concerning expectation. We can get up and say, you know what? God spoke it. He's going to do it. I'm going to do it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. But until we give an outward expression, sometimes things don't change and, and expectation is not fully seen in our life. And this is what David did. The scripture tells us this. Is that as he's bringing the ark back into Jerusalem, he drops down to his drawers. Nobody? Really? Really? The king is a little bit naked. <laughs> and he begins to dance before the Lord. He's like, ah! I mean, he's probably dancing just ridiculous. How do we know that? Because one of his wives, Michael, is sitting up in the window watching David as they come into Jerusalem and going, I cannot believe he is doing that. He looks so stupid. He is a fool. He is a king. You can't be acting that way if you're a king. And she's like, and she goes down to David after David gets done blessing the people. And she goes, David, David, I want you to know something. You look like an idiot out there. And everybody's going to be mocking you because of the way you were dancing and what you were wearing and all this stuff. And you know what David does? He looks at her. And I believe, I mean, I'm just like, woo. If you've ever, <laughs> have you, <laughs> all right, stop. That's a different sermon. Pack that up. All right. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. Let me tell you one thing. <laughs> David, David goes, lady, <laughs> you don't, you didn't see nothing yet. Because if you think that I was undignified, I will get even more undignified than this. I'll begin to dance before the Lord with all of my mind, everything I got. And I don't care who's watching because the servants, the ones, listen to this, because you're going to miss this if you don't hear this. He says the servant girls, the ones out there, the servants who are watching, they understood that something happened today that was so far beyond any kind of act right here, but they understood that freedom came in the house today. And when freedom comes into the house, you better get up and dance. So you got to put a demand on expectation, and it demands a tangible outward sign. Here's what I'm telling you is this is that you have to begin to, to show what you believe. And for some of you, it's as simple as opening up your mouth and speaking out the things that God has spoken to you, to somebody else. 
And can I even be a little bit more direct? It might need to come in your marriages and it might need to come with your children. You might need to speak out the prophetic things and open up your mouth. Let it be a tangible sign of expectation that you begin to declare that freedom has come to our house today. I'm going to speak it out. I'm going to change what I do. I'm going to change how I react. I'm going to change the things that I'm doing. I'm not going to be bound to anything other than what God has said. And it's going to be seen through my lifestyle. <laughs> David was dancing. He was going crazy. Oh, man, that is an amazing thing. Because he understood it wasn't enough for him to bring in that, the, the glory of God. It wasn't even about a box, y'all. It wasn't about a box. It was about the presence of God. I believe it's Acts 12, says that David was a man after God's own heart. You know why? Because he restored worship back to Israel and the glory of God to the people. And it's always been on God's heart. And it wasn't enough for David to walk with his noble scepter and go, mm, this is what I did today. Mm-hmm. David needed to kind of strip down and just start to go to town. He needed to worship the Lord with all of his might. Why? Because he understood that he wasn't doing this for a sign. He wasn't doing this for a show. It was a display of expectation because the glory of God was returning to his people and freedom was coming to every person from the slave to the king. I'm going to tell you right now. Sorry. Uh, um, All right. Let's just wrap this up because I've exceeded 25 minutes. (laughs) Actually, I'm at 21 here we go. How do we increase expectation? Three quick things. Justin, come on up. The first thing is this, is make Jesus the center. Make Jesus the center. This is not just a simple statement. This is the truth. This is David's heart. He wanted Jesus to be at the center. Don't live your life like an unbalanced wheel. If you have an unbalanced wheel in your car, what happens is you shake, right? It's annoying as it's not. But you know what else happens? The tread on your tire gets worn out unevenly. You get a weak spot in your tire. Your tire blows before too long if it's left neglected. And here's why Jesus needs to be at the center of our life, because when he's at the center of our life, our life operates the way it's supposed to. And so when we say Jesus is at the center, we're not just saying, Jesus, you get the first pick on Sunday before football. What we're saying is, Jesus, you're at the center of my Sunday, my Monday, my Tuesday, my Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You're at the center of my decisions. You're at the center. Why? Because I desire to set my expectation on you. I desire to see the fullness of who you are fill all of me so that it comes out of me. Jesus has to be at the center. If you need help putting Jesus at the center, pray. Make it an earnest prayer of your heart. Jesus said it like this. He taught us how to pray to make Jesus the center of our life in the Lord's Prayer. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Do you know what righteousness is? All it is is making Jesus the center of your life. You getting into the right place of understanding what God thinks about you and what He says about you. When you're righteous, you don't fight over whether or not you're a son or daughter of the King. You don't fight over whether or not you're adopted and you're loved. You're in the right place, and Jesus is at the center. And when Jesus is at the center, He comes out of you. And if you need help with that today, make that your prayer. Jesus, help me to hunger and thirst for righteousness so that you will be at the center of my life. And if God says, you need to change that, then change it. Why? Because he's doing something that's going to be for your good. Number two, create a culture in your life of extravagant worship. From Sunday morning to all the days of your your week, 
And let me just say something in gentleness and kindness. Believe this, though, please. If Sunday morning worship is average for you, then Sunday, then worship Monday through Saturday isn't happening. I love you. I'm not, I'm not beating anybody here, but I want you to please hear this because this is a key. And David understood this. Because you know old little King David, he was worshiping God and when he was slaying lions and bears while he was tending his daddy's sheep. Because the book of Psalms tells us that. Some of those Psalms he wrote while he was tending sheep. What was he doing? Is he was creating a culture of extravagant worship because you know what? Nobody in their right mind gets out and dances naked before the Ark of the Covenant unless they have a history of extravagant worship. And if you can't put extravagant worship in your worship on Sunday mornings, then it won't be there Monday. And if you need to get out of your, get into boldness, out of your, your little comfort zone, get in your boldness box, say, Lord, listen, I'm not, I don't know what that means, you know, and listen, I'm not telling you that raising your hands or dancing is a full expression of worship, but maybe you need to. Maybe some of y'all just need to start with tapping your toes. <laughs> Next time we get into worship. <laughs> I got the toe tap. <laughs> you need to clap. And he said, God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to lift my hands? Do you want me to dance before you? I know that's going to weird some of you out, but it doesn't matter. You know what the Bible said about Michael, David's wife? <laughs> oh, I love the word of God. She was barren. The Lord shut her womb. After that conversation, the scripture says, David says, I'll become more, even, um, even more undignified than this. And the scripture says that God shut Michael's womb. Do you know why? Because extravagant worship births life. Extravagant worship births life. And when you worship extravagantly, and can I tell you something? Don't just reserve extravagant worship for here, but be an extravagant worshiper in your car. Make somebody turn their head at a stoplight. Jesus, I love you. Uh, my, my kids accuse me of being the worst drummer on the planet because I have beat the crud out of my steering wheel. I'm like, they'll turn off the radio and it just sounds like garbage. <laughs> but in my mind, it's awesome. And you got to not care. There's got to be something in you. Listen, just a, just a very practical principle that you care more about God than what other people think. If your worship is inhibited because you're worried about what people think, then you're not extravagant. You're not worshiping God extravagantly. And the reason why I tell you that is this, very simply, because for some of you, your extravagant worship may be you kneeling. Some of you, it may be lifting your hands. Some of you, it may be expression out of your heart, out of your mouth. It's not about what you do. It's about the offering you give out of your heart, through your mouth, through your life, something that you do, that you say, God, you're all it. You're everything to me. The last thing is this. This is probably the most powerful point. And then we're going to pray. Let God expand your expectation beyond you. If you need expectation in your life, don't just see it for you. See it for the people around you. The Scripture tells us in 2 Samuel 6 that when David brought the Ark of the Covenant back into Israel, he did two things. He blessed all the people of Israel, and then he gave them cakes, and he gave them sweet treats. You know why David did that? Because he wanted the people of Israel to realize that today was a good day. He began to have an expectation that exceeded just himself. He didn't want to be known. This didn't, it wasn't something he was padding his resume for to say, I'm the king who brought 
the Ark of the Covenant back. As a matter of fact, if you go and you know the Scripture, what you realize is that David didn't build the temple. You know who did? His son. Solomon built the temple. See, David just played one part in it, but the part he played was to bring something back to the Israelites that reminded them of the covenant that God created at the very beginning. And when you have an expectation that's beyond you for somebody else, you begin to live in a greater way. When you begin to see not just what God can do for you, but what God can do for somebody else, you begin to see them the way God does. It begins to transform the way you live your life in expectation. Amen. Stand up. This morning, I'm just going to simply bless you. And if you're here this morning and that word has just made a difference in your life and you see that as something, you say, God, I need to just begin to expand my expectation. Then just right where you are, make your seat, your chair, an altar, and just say, God, do that in my life today. At any point, in any place, if I need to tune something up, Holy Spirit, you do it. Father, I thank you, Lord, today for your word. Father, I thank you that in this house at Freedom Christian Fellowship, let us be known as a people that have great expectation for what you are doing in our lives as individuals, but Father, also what you're doing through this place. God, and so we there set our hearts on, Father, what you're saying. Father, we thank you for continuing, Lord God, to see freedom come to people, and we set our hearts on that. Father, birth in us the desire to be extravagant worshipers. Lord, bless these people, I pray. Fill them with your spirit. Let your glory rest on them. Fill them with your hope, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I just bless you in the name of Jesus. I declare the great grace upon you. If you need prayer for anything this morning, just come on up. I'll be up here to pray with you if you do. We love you guys. Look forward to seeing you Wednesday. Sign up. If you're going to come and bring something, we're going to have a lot of fun.